From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, incoming President Joe Biden is touting 10 days of action to undo executive orders from the Trump administration. What are conservatives on Capitol Hill bracing for under a Democratic-controlled government? We'll talk with House Minority Whip Steve Scalise. We'll also get his take on Katie Couric saying that those in Congress who question the election outcome may need to be deprogrammed. Really? We'll talk about it here on Washington Watch. And big tech and the media that the public is ignoring smells blood in the water when it comes to conservative speech. Here is what Alex Stamos, a former executive Facebook, had to say about conservative news outlets. We're going to have to figure out the OANN and Newsmax problem. You know, that these companies have freedom of speech, but I'm not sure we need Verizon, AT&T, Comcast and such to be bringing them into tens of millions of homes. Are the days of free speech numbered in America? We'll talk about it with the CEO of Newsmax, Christopher Ruddy. And as the cases involving churches that were fined for violating state and local mandates revolving around the coronavirus are making their way to the courts, well, churches are prevailing. We'll talk with Gabe Wrench in Moscow City, Idaho, who was arrested for not wearing a mask at an outdoor worship service. Also, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo today formally announcing that China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity in its actions against the Uyghurs and other religious minorities. Travis Weber, Senior Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs, will join me for a look at that announcement, as well as the policy challenges that lie ahead under a Democratic-controlled federal government. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, again, I will tell you, if you want to stay in touch, the social media platforms, we're going to talk about it today, are dead set on squelching the voices of conservatives, silencing, I should say squelching, they're silencing the voices of conservatives. So the days are numbered of conservative speech on these social media platforms. Now, I believe in time we will see uh, conservative alternatives. There are some that are that are emerging, but just as a parlor was susceptible because they use the, some key components of big tech's uh, liberal platform, you know, the plug was pulled on them. So I think over time, you know, the conservatives uh, outlets are going to be, again, springing forth that are able to operate independent of the uh, the big tech community. So let me uh, all that to say this. If you want to stay in touch with us, text the word stand to six, seven, seven, four, two. That's six, seven, seven, four, two to stay connected with us no matter what may happen. All right, a lot happening on Capitol Hill tomorrow. Tomorrow we will see a new administration come in, and with it a Democratic-controlled Congress, both House and Senate, an aggressive liberal agenda. We're going to talk about that. Uh, But first, as I mentioned, Katie Couric uh, on Bill Maher, uh, talking about conservatives in Congress who questioned the election results in November. This is what she had to say. It is so shocking. Not only do, are they not conceding, Bill, but there's thoughts that there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing to yeah. go through magnometers or whatever you call yeah. them to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. 
I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, when you think about how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten. But I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they are being fed 24-7 on the Internet, by their constituents, and yeah. they bought into this big lie. And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? I, I'm almost speechless at the arrogance here. First off, talking about that some Republicans think there may be in collusion uh, because they're listening to 24-7 what's on the Internet and their cons the garbage their constituents are feeding them. Wait a minute. What about the Democrats uh, four years ago who would not let go of this idea of collusion surrounding Russia and the election? And it seems like to me they were getting their garbage from the mainstream media. Here to talk about that and more is U.S. Congressman Steve Scalise. He represents the 1st Congressional District of my home state of Louisiana, and he is also the minority whip. Steve, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, always great to be back with you. How alarming it is to listen to, to you know, liberals literally sitting there with this indignation talking about canceling people disagree with them when they spent the last four years not only going after the president every day but denying that he was elected you had the the speaker saying that he hijacked the election the russian hoax as you pointed out impeachment the resist movement you never heard anybody on the left saying don't do that embrace the fact that he's elected president you didn't hear any of that uh, but you know today they want to cancel anyone who's conservative on social media, and you, sh you shouldn't even be able to get a job if you voted for Donald Trump. I mean, this is this is the stuff that happens in third world nations. Well, Steve, I want to say this. I, I, I don't agree. I don't like the way the administration ended and the way things came about here in the last few weeks. But this I will say, I, I want to thank you for not abandoning the president because I think he's given America four great years. The policies he's passed, the people he's put in place, you look at the courts, and, you know, you've stood by the president. Um, and, and for that, I, I want to express gratitude on behalf of, I think, millions of Americans who are incensed that there's some Republicans who have joined hands with the liberal left using this as a club to beat conservatives with. Yeah, they, they want to paint every every Republican, every person who voted for Donald Trump uh, with this broad brush of, of the people who stormed the Capitol. And look, you and I denounced every person who attacked cops, yeah. broke windows, crawled through broken glass to break into and storm our nation's capital to try to stop us from doing our work. And by the way, they're all being arrested. Uh, the neighbors are turning them in. Their family members are turning them in. That's what should be the case, by the way. You know, you and I called that out last week. Democrats called that out. Those same Democrats did not call out the violence we saw over the summer, where yep. they were killing cops, burning down cities, uh, destroying people's livelihoods, killing innocent civilians. Where was the outrage by the left then? You know, we ought to be consistent. I've been, you've been, but they're not. And, and the violence needs to stop. But don't just call out violence when it happens on the other side of the aisle. Right. You've got to call it out wherever it comes from, because uh, there's no place for violence in our country. That's not how we solve political disputes. Yet the left was okay with it when it was happening on the other side. And in fact, some were in, in endorsing that right. kind of activity. Lawlessness, whether it's coming from those on the far left or the far right, is incompatible with a nation 
ruled by law. I, I, I want to move on to the agenda that we're going to be facing here, but I, I, I ask one final question regarding Katie Couric's comments that those 140 Republicans who questioned the election results and the irregularities in some of these states, which I personally question because I've seen the evidence to suggest things were not done appropriately and according to the law, that those individuals need to be reprogrammed. What do you say to that? Yeah, but, and by who? By Katie Couric? <laughs> by, uh, by these uh, in, enablers of, on the left uh, who were part of that resist movement for four years? Look, I mean, where was their righteous indignation for every single Republican presidential election this century, Tony, when Democrats objected? Using that same process, a law that goes back to the 1800s yep. that puts Congress in the middle of the certification of states. Every single Republican president this century has been objected to by Democrats, including in 2005 when a majority of Democrats did not vote to certify the state of Ohio, which would have turned over that election and John Kerry would have been president. So, you know, where were they then? Are they going to boycott and not give financial contributions to those Democrats who voted that way? Or is it just Republicans that they get upset about this? You know, they never suggested changing that law. Again, it's a law that goes back to the 1800s. It's nothing new. The Constitution says that it's state legislatures who set the rules for carrying out elections for president to, to choose electors. That's the, that's the Constitution, not just the law, that it's legislatures. In a number of states, they went around those legislative bodies. Are we just going to keep letting that happen and look the other way? Are we finally going to get control back where – you have elections that are run the way the Constitution right. lays it out for president. And, you know, and you're an insurrectionist now if you say that the Constitution has to be followed. I mean, this, this is the lunacy of the left. And, again, they forget that every single Republican president this century has been challenged by Democrats. And all of a sudden now they think that process uh, is, warrants insurrection. Well, their hope is that uh, the men and women in Congress like you will grow silent and be intimidated by their loud voices. And, and, and my hope and prayer is that you will not. You will continue to defend the Constitution. And, and that's where I want to go now, because we're going to see in the first 10 days uh, promises of a blitz by the Biden administration. What are you anticipating uh, in the first 10 days and beyond uh, coming from Joe Biden and now a Democratic majority in both the House and Senate? Well, you know, we're going to see, but, you know, some of the things that are that are initially being put out there are not encouraging. I, I would hope they work more on unity, on, on getting the economy back open, getting schools safely reopened, uh, not on, on picking divisive fights and, you know, going out and, and trying to push a far left agenda. You know, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll see very quickly, but there's talk that they want to cancel the Keystone Pipeline, open up our borders, uh, you know, potentially – uh, look at undoing a lot of the a lot of the executive orders that were working to to help rebuild uh, and support our allies around the world uh, you know with foreign policy hopefully we don't go backward on that to a, an apology tour uh, you know they want to get rid of the Hyde amendment we're not going to let that happen Tony uh, you know that fight's coming uh, there are a lot of those big battles but hopefully it it will be a focus on unity and you know Vice President Biden, soon to be President Biden, has talked about that. We'll see what his speech includes tomorrow, but we also are going to be watching the actions, and especially the executive actions, early off. And hopefully they're focused on unity, not on, on just pushing far-left uh, policy agendas.
I've heard the language, but I've not seen any actions that um, would coincide with that language of unity. Part of the uh, the initiative you made reference to some of those uh, overturning uh, Trump's executive orders restricting immigration uh, from Muslim majority countries or countries where there is greater risk, rejoining the the uh, Paris Climate Accord mandate, mask wearing on federal property, and and this one I'm I'm trying to figure out what this is, um, mandating masks during interstate travel. I don't know. If you drive from uh, Louisiana to Mississippi, you got to wear a mask. What's that about? In your car by yourself. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, if you're, if you're outside doing your lawn, you know, mowing your lawn, maybe they're going to make you wear a mask, too, by your side. You know, at some point, let's just it brings sanity to the things that we do, have common sense regulations in general. Uh, that's something that President Trump did that, by the way, helped our economy turn around and helped the stock right. market do so well which, you know, for as much as they attack the stock market, the stock market helps families, helps retirees, people who are on pensions. That's what the stock market's about. Uh, Let's not go after those small businesses and those families who want same regulations. Well, Congressman Steve Scalise, I know we're going to have a lot to talk about in the, uh, the next 100 days as we watch this new administration implement their agenda. Uh, Hopefully, as you said, there will be some element of unity and working together to get uh, our nation, you know, continuing to move forward. But we'll see soon enough. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. God bless you, Tony. God bless this great country. All right. All right. Coming up next, this initiative to silence conservative voices. Christopher Ruddy, CEO of Newsmax, is here next with, well, Whether or not we'll be able to continue to talk, that's next. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, Our popular Biblical Principles for Political Engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org slash worldview. 
Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation and the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, uh, stay in touch with us. Text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742 to make sure you stay in touch with us. All right, uh, and the whole reason is the left has made the most of the invasion of the Capitol connected to some supporters of President Trump. Now, they are using this to rapidly accelerate their goal. This has been underway for a long time, but they're accelerating their goal of silencing conservative voices in America. Alex Samos, a former executive with Facebook, was on CNN, I believe, yesterday, saying this. We have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are are people on YouTube, for example, that have a a larger audience than daytime CNN, and they are extremely radical and pushing extremely radical views. And so it's up to the Facebooks and YouTubes in particular to think about whether or not they want to be effectively cable networks for disinformation. And then we're going to have to figure out the OANN and Newsmax problem, you know, that these companies have freedom of speech, but I'm not sure we need Verizon, AT&T, Comcast and such to be bringing them into tens of millions of homes. The OAN and Newsmax problem, the fact that there is competition out there bringing conservative viewpoints. Here's the question. Are conservative voices going to go away quietly? Now, here to answer that question, Christopher Ruddy, CEO of Newsmax. Mr. Ruddy is a noted journalist who launched Newsmax in 1998, which apparently has become too successful. Christopher, welcome to the program. Well, Tony, thank you for having me on. Um, you are a great conservative, and I appreciate you uh, continuing the good fight. Well, thank you. Let, let me ask you this. Why are you being targeted? Are you too successful for the left? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, Newsmax has been around for a while. We started with Newsmax.com online, and then our, t- our, radio, our TV network, Newsmax TV, started five or six years ago, and I think a lot of people ignored it. The left ignored it overnight uh, in their minds, but we've been – doing this for five years, we have become a major force. We're now the fourth highest rated cable news channel in the United States. And about Nielsen says 25 million people watch Newsmax TV regularly. And we know that through OT, that's we're on every major cable system. Just check your cable guide. And if they don't have us, uh, certainly call your cable system, tell them you want us. But we're on every major OTT platform as well, YouTube and 
we are our viewership is getting very close when you add all of the OTT and cable with a CNN and um, Fox. Fox was number one in cable news, and it's now number three because so many people are tuning into Newsmax yes. TV. And Myself this is included. scaring a lot of people. And Fox was hoping, I think, and planning to uh, move left after Trump's defeat, which they um, seem to be quite happy about. And um, and then, you know, they, it's not just that one person, Tony, that was on CNN. CNN's hosts, uh, Brian Stelter, we know, and then Oliver Darcy, their chief media critic, have been actively calling for Newsmax to be what they call deplatformed, which mm-hmm. means to be censored, to be removed from your local cable system. Uh, it's a blatant act of blacklisting and censorship. It's very scary that a media organization would call for this. Um, Newsmax uh, has gone public. And you should know the president was banned for Twitter, and CNN was the ones that first pushed the banning of Trump from Twitter. So they, I think, are salivating. They've done this before. They've had a lot of success. I think it's um, a very startling development that conservative voices are being being closed down. And— I'm not going to take it sitting down. So, Christopher, let me ask you this question. The difference between, you know, CNN, you know, they've been around a bit longer, but they started up and, and they got into cable news and they became a, a pretty major factor. Of course, then Fox came along, kind of bumped them down a little bit. But you're doing the same thing they did. The only difference is is the ideological viewpoint. You have a conservative viewpoint versus a, a liberal viewpoint. Is there anything else that distinguishes you? Well, they don't like the fact that Newsmax questioned the election results. And we reported what the president was saying, President Trump, Rudy Giuliani. Um, now, Fox News did some coverage in this area. But Newsmax has been growing as a force, and they just did not like the fact that we've been talking. They would like it that to make it illegal for anyone to even question the election result. Well, now, that's so American. Our job. I know. I mean, well, it's happening. They they look at how they're trying to destroy people like Josh Hawley and other senators and congressmen that questioned it. And look, there was massive voting irregularities we know with the mail-in ballots. The using yes. COVID, you know, that millions and millions of ballots were done by mail. The processes were different. They changed the rules. I think it's fair for conservatives to question that, not not only for Donald Trump's election, but for future elections. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's you know, what that, back, that, that's how we work in this country. You, you question these things. You get to the facts. But you cannot get to the facts if you can't have the conversation. Today, the president, Tony, gave a farewell address. I was shocked. Newsmax was the only news network. Fox didn't even carry it. And his farewell address. Um, we're, um, I should tell you, going to be re-airing it tonight on the Greg Kelly Report Show, which airs at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's a very powerful address. But, you know, the, for, I could see CNN and MSNBC. And, but this is we're becoming the alternative We've had since Election Day, 4 million people have downloaded the Newsmax app on their iPhone or Android. And um, it's been one of the largest uh, app downloads in history. Uh, People, and we're free online and on the apps. So you can watch Newsmax without paying a fee. 
I believe and, it. Uh, uh, I think we're up that's what's scaring guys. Christopher, we're up against a break. Final question for you. Are we going to save the First Amendment freedom of speech? Will there be enough Americans stand up and say no to the laugh that is trying to silence conservative voices? Well, I hope for sure we do it. And if we don't, we're going to lose the country and we're going to lose our Constitution. Uh, that I would agree with. I'm, I for one, am willing to stand up to fight for that First Amendment by using that First Amendment. Christopher Ruddy, thanks so much for joining us and uh, great work over there at Newsmax. Thank you, Tony. Keep up your good work. All right. Thanks so much. Christopher Ruddy. Look, it's the American way. Competition. You know, you, you have a product. People buy it or they subscribe to it or they listen to it. What is the left so afraid of? I'll tell you, it's the truth. All right, coming up next, uh, churches finally making their way into court over these restrictions from Corona. Guess what? Well, hold on, I'll tell you next. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad that you are with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Remember that. Write it down. Bookmark it. And then uh, text the word STAND to 67742 so you can stay connected with us no matter what. We're coming to you on Christian Radio, for those of you listening on Christian Radio. And, um, you know, been around a long time. And I'm grateful for all the networks that carry Washington Watch. In fact, now we're over on over 800 stations and uh, growing. 
And if you have friends that are not in an area that have Washington Watch airing, you can certainly inquire about it, but you can also have them download the Stand Firm app, which is still functioning, Stand Firm app, and um, you can listen to the program. All right, we're seeing this now as uh, the coronavirus is, uh, you know, we've been around here about 10 months, I guess, and you had all these restrictions from local governments and state governments, and, and you had some churches. Now, again, in the, the, the early part of this, you know, people were saying, okay, we, we don't know what this is all about, so, okay, we'll, we'll gladly volunteer and we'll, you know, we'll not have service for a couple of weeks, but, you know, it went on and on. And so people started doing other things. They started going outdoors, and they started having drive-in services. And we saw some of these officials uh, writing tickets for people in their cars in church parking lots. We saw people being arrested for wearing masks or not wearing masks outside at public gatherings. It was crazy. Well, now these things are going into court, and guess what's happening? Well, here to tell us what is happening is one of those individuals. Uh, Gabe Wrench, he uh, is a member of uh, Christ Church uh, in Moscow City, Iowa, and he was arrested for being a part of an outdoor worship service in a city hall parking lot because he wasn't wearing a mask. But he had his day in court, and here to tell us what happened is Gabe himself. Gabe, welcome to back to the program. Tony, thanks for having me back on. Appreciate it. I should also mention that you're the co-host of uh, Cross Politic, a radio show uh, there in uh, Idaho. L- okay, so what happened? Tell our listeners what happened when you uh, went to court after you were arrested for not wearing a mask outside. Yeah, so, you know, I was arrested on September 23rd, as you already noted, uh, for we were singing songs my church and kind of a community. Uh, a couple other members in the community were also joined us, and we were singing psalms. On, on the city hall parking lot uh, without wearing masks and without social distancing, and we got arrested. So we were kind of embodying the whole First Amendment there with worship, petitioning, addressing, and, you know, free speech kind of thing. And uh, I got arrested. Well, of, of course, I, I was immediately going to challenge that in court. I had the Thomas More Society uh, back me. My lawyer, Michael Jakes, here in Idaho, did a fantastic job. And basically, uh, we just wrote a letter of dismissal. Um, uh, you know, uh, arguing our First Amendment rights and arguing even within their own health emergency resolution, it stated that our First Amendment rights were protected. Uh, and so we just used our First Amendment rights. We used our own resolution against them, and, and then the judge dismissed it. It took about four months to get it dismissed because uh, the prosecuting attorney was playing politics and pushing things out, and, and she could have on her own dismissed it all by herself. Uh, right. But because it was such a political hot potato, she's like, she wanted the judge to dismiss it. Well, this is what I think about this, Gabe. First off, I want to you know commend you for you know moving forward through the system, doing this within the confines of law because the law is on our side. You talk about the First Amendment; it's it's a a robust freedom, a recognition, I should say, of that freedom. And when you okay. use it like that all the way through, you make it harder for district attorneys and prosecutors elsewhere to to bring these charges against uh, churches and members of churches because they know it's not going to stand. Well, that's my hope in all this. Is I hope, uh, by the grace of God, that, that my victory here in, in the city of Moscow, Idaho, 
uh, is uh, influences and affects, you know, John MacArthur and what's going on with his church in, mm-hmm. in L.A. You know, I hope that what we're doing here has great, greater ramifications than just my little uh, uh, dismissal in what's going on. You know, we have, uh, you know, Paul, Paul appealed to the government. Paul appealed to Caesar. Paul appealed to his Roman rights as a citizen. Right. So we don't have a problem with that appeal. Um, and we, we want to be faithful in every step of the way that God um, uh, opens those doors to walk down. Well, Gabe, we're grateful that you've done that, and uh, I, I have no doubt that as more and more will stand in, in, in within the confines of the law, exercise their First Amendment, and if it's uh, if they're arrested, they, they face it, but they use the system, as you did, to prove that that First Amendment right covers worship, it covers speech, it covers gathering, and, and Gabe, you did it the right way, and I'm uh, very grateful for the outcome. Well, thank you. And I just would like to, you know, kind of leave here just encouraging Christians that wherever, whatever city you're in, wherever you're at, uh, find churches that are being faithful and pushing back and doing it well in their communities. And, and don't, don't fight solo. Don't fight. Um, don't try to pick a fight. Try to, yes. uh, you know, act in a position from a position of strength in a faithful church community with what you're doing, because God's granting us these victories. Yes. Well said. Well said. Uh, Gabe Ranch, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Bye. All right. Uh, good advice. You know, don't don't be a lone ranger. And first off, the first thing he says, be a part of a church that is true to the Word of God. And if you're not in a church, you know, I, actually, there are some churches that still are not meeting. If you're in one of those churches, my advice is to find another one. All right, when we come back, Travis Weber, Senior Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council, joins me for, uh, number one, an announcement made today by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Powerful announcement. And then we're going to take a deeper look at what we can expect from a Biden administration. That's next. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. 
there is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. This is Washington Watch, and I am Tony Perkins. So glad that you are tuned in. The website, TonyPerkins.com, to make sure you never miss an episode of Washington Watch. You can download the Stand Firm app. It's at the App Store. Also, stay in touch with us. Text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742. That way you know what is going on. I'm telling you, you cannot trust the news sources today. I don't watch any of the cable news networks. Um, you know, we had Chris Ruddy on Newsmax. Newsmax is one I tune into, One American News. Uh, I don't listen to Fox anymore. Uh, CNN's been gone. MSNBC, uh, give me a break. Um, so you need to stay connected. And, and what we bring you here from Washington Watch, and I, I don't try to hide it, it, we, we look at these things from a biblical perspective. We're unapologetically Christian in our orientation, and we don't hide that. In fact, I believe that's the only way we can, as, as Christians, navigate this world that's increasingly becoming hostile to, to truth. But we are anchored in the truth. So our positions are not going to change. They're just not, because the Word of God and truth does not change. So how do we navigate through these things? That's what we do here at the Family Research Council, and that's what we talk about here on Washington Watch. By the way, tomorrow night, as uh, usual, our week weekly edition of Pray, Vote, Stand, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in, prayvotestand.org. All right, earlier today, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made a major announcement, formally announcing that China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity and its actions against the Uyghur Muslims, and other religious minorities. What does this mean? How significant of an announcement is this on the eve of uh, the Biden administration taking over Washington, D.C., and the State Department? We're here to talk about it, as well as the policy initiatives we can expect from the Biden administration is Travis Weber. He is a senior vice president of policy and government affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right, Travis, what is significant about Secretary of State Pompeo's announcement today declaring that China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity? 
Yeah, a number of things are <clears throat> significant about this statement. First, it's we are the first country to declare that what China is doing to the Uyghur minority in Xinjiang is a genocide, so leading the way. Secondly, the, desi- the, the genocide designation is very significant, both from a moral and legal perspective, because it will obligate and increase the pressure on the United States and others to act against China. Uh, while certainly there's been a lot of attention on China, and we recognize, many recognize that what China is doing to its minorities there is tragic, the genocide finding that uh, that most serious of international human rights violations adds an additional level uh, le- uh, layer of weight, morally and legally, to the obligation to prevent and punish, get involved, and do something and act against China. So incredibly significant, uh, both from the perspective of what this is going to obligate the Biden administration and others going forward, in addition, making the point, uh, you know, leading the way as the first country to designate what's going on as a genocide. Yeah, I want to underscore what you said about uh, the significance of the term genocide. Uh, Some might remember or recall back during the Obama administration uh, when there was a push to call what was happening uh, in parts of Iraq uh, as um, genocide and what we saw in the Middle East with some of the uh, the population. And they were slow to do it. They finally did it after Congress uh, made that move. Um, but that restricts some of the it just it it shapes how we deal with China in many ways. And and I think this is uh, quite significant because this is either going to have to be overturned by the Biden administration or abided by. Right. So it's, it's either going to be reversed or or I mean, they could try to ignore it. But the fact is, it's still there. You know, genocide is very significant. We go back to the genocide convention following the Holocaust, World War II, and uh, Secretary Pompeo's finding today made reference to going back to the Nuremberg trials, so tracing the history of how we got here, holding people to account for genocide. But we go back to the genocide convention in which the United States is a party post-World War II, finding in that, that convention uh, the parties binding themselves to undertake to prevent and punish the crime of genocide. And then defining the crime of genocide, the intent to destroy and hold apart an ethnic, racial, religious group by killing or other steps, including uh, taking measures to, to prevent births within the group, which the secretary's statement made reference to going on in Xinjiang. So right. clearly a significant finding um, tracing the important history of this and marking, putting out a marker for the United States at this moment. I really hope that President, incoming President Biden takes action on this. We have to yet, uh, wait and see. Well, Secretary Pompeo has been uh, tough on China. Uh, I know that uh, f- from his policies and just in my conversations with him, uh, focused on them like a laser because of their abuses of human rights. Uh, let's transition, uh, Travis, to what we can expect in terms of the policies of the Biden administration. We had the, the minority whip Steve Scalise on earlier, uh, you know, touching on some of the issues. But we're expecting a blitz in the first 10 days of executive order action by the Biden administration, basically unilateral action by him undoing executive orders from the Trump administration. But beyond that, he's going to have to join with Congress while he has the House and he has a majority in the Senate. Uh, Some of his policy initiatives may be difficult to get all the way through. No, that's very true, Tony. I mean, the I think we can expect a number of things 
to be occurring on issues of importance to Family Research Council. We have the memo that has been now talked about in the press, the 10-day blitz and kind of overview of issues in that memo. There, you know, the memo talks a lot about climate policies, uh, racial equity, um, immigration-related issues, um, you know, and attempts to to try to get at uh, a job and trade-related matters as well. We'll see what happens, and we'll see how much of that actually takes place within the first uh, 10 days. I mean, it's good. there's going to be a lot they're going to try to push through. And more broadly, though, we know because of what Biden has pledged he would he would do that there's going to be a significant uh, level of action against human life, against human dignity, as he rolls back a lot of the good policies that have been placed, put in put in place by President Trump, who who had been reinstating and expanding a lot of what Presidents Bush and Reagan had done. Um, you know, we know the number of good pro-life policies because we talked about it here a lot, but we can expect Biden to roll a lot of those back as he stated he's going to do. The other big area we can expect movement on is him pushing to do the bidding of the LGBT community as he pushes uh, those uh, issues in a number of areas of federal law and executive policy, and to include it impacting on religious freedom and, and significant um, uh, you know, guts, gutting of religious freedom in a number of areas. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to expect action in all those areas. We'll wait and see. I think two of the items that have been talked about is, is Biden looking to reverse President Trump's transgender military policy, and to uh, reinstate President Obama's school bathroom policy. So we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot coming down the pike. Yeah, and that first one we were very involved in uh, when President Trump came into office, just looking at the financial uh, implications of that policy of having uh, members of the military that were um, not able to be deployed because they were taking medication for uh, you know hormone treatments or had surgeries, whatever. I mean, it's just such a waste of federal money to to allow people to join the military in order to get transgender treatment. I mean, that is not the purpose of our nation's military. And then, of course, indoctrinating our children with this radical agenda uh, by forcing this on schools. And I think that's going to be one of the first things that you're going to see out of the Biden administration is uh, pushing this on to schools in America. It's what Obama did on his way out. Biden will do on his way in. In fact, we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But there's there's more special interest groups. Planned Parenthood uh, pushing very hard. In fact, I've, I've got their uh, document, First Priorities, Executive and Agency Actions, and, and they say this. On day one, the president must issue an executive order unequivocally stating his commitment to protect and expand access to comprehensive reproductive health care, uphold sexual and reproductive rights, including abortion care, Wow, that's a misnomer. In the U.S. and around the world and rescind or revoke prior executive actions limiting access to care. And it goes on to state what that executive order must do. I mean, they're first in line, and there's no doubt Joe Biden is beholden to the abortion industry. You know, Tony, I think this is very instructive for the implications of a Biden presidency compared to the alternative pro-life Republicans and pro-family Republicans running to protect religious freedom, we're going to now, unfortunately, see some of the cost of this. And what you just referenced is a pledge, and signed by not only Planned Parenthood, but dozens and dozens of pro-abortion organizations, incredibly radical in this issue. And basically imagine how you know creating the most radical pro-abortion policies to the point of sounding insane that you can get, and you put them on paper and ask the president to, to implement them. But they have 
pages and pages of asks and requests right. that they would like to see implemented on the on abortion. And not not right. only them, but you have other groups. You have this. Um, you have the the Democratic Women's Caucus sending a letter to the incoming administration asking for a number of pro-abortion and radically expansive policies in the area of sexuality. You have groups looking to take religious freedom out of the public square, and you have groups looking to push radical LGBT policies as well. So a number of outside groups now are going to come in, ask Biden to do their bidding, and and unfortunately we're in a position now where, where that's going to be the unfortunate, more likely cost of where we're at. And I think people need to really notice this when they think about the implications of their political involvement or yes. lack of involvement. Yes, very, yeah, great point. But just a, just a couple of the things here on a very extensive list that Planned Parenthood and, as you mentioned, dozens of other pro-abortion organizations in the Hyde Amendment, I mean, they are going... This is not just about undoing what the Trump administration did. They're going back literally decades uh, to, I mean, eliminate the Weldon Amendment, which goes back, I believe, to the turn of the century. I mean, it's been around 20 years or so, um, which uh, it deals with um, forced funding of uh, abortion yeah. and health care plans. Um, I think, and it includes, uh, does it include conscience rights? What, what all does the Weldon yeah. cover? Well, well, Tony, you remember Weldon was what President Trump enforced against the state of California for discriminating against healthcare right. entities by by forcing them to um, cover abortions. And President Trump's HHS, HHS took action, withheld federal funds uh, for the action by California. But there's a number of federal conscience protections, federal statutes that uh, the health and, or the Religious Freedom Division, HHS, and others within the administration have been enforcing. These groups want all of that to just go away. And I, I think, yeah. you know, if, if Biden takes them seriously, we are going to see them go away or they're going to attempt to, 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 to wipe them out, absent some sort of court intervention. Um, I think what's more likely is we see significant guts in, in the pro-life actions that have been taken. And then we, we're fighting for any additional, uh, you know, um, uh, fighting for, for against any additional erosion of, of this area. Right, which uh, is is quite aggressive in their agenda. We'll we'll spend more time on that, but I want to get to another uh, policy proposal that'll be coming very soon, and it's uh, it's HR one, meaning it's their top legislative priority. What does it do? Yeah, so Tony, this is a a bill that we have seen Democrats push over and over again. Been reintroduced to this Congress now. The first days of this Congress, Nancy Pelosi leading the way on it. Imagine all the Democrats. Uh, election and voting reform measures that they want to 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 advantage to their advantage to push their their agenda through in that area packaged in one bill advanced that's what we see in this bill um, forced a disclosure donor disclosure issues uh, areas that would really threaten free speech and the freedom of association uh, implications that would threaten the um, the religious speech of of pastors similar to issues around the Johnson Amendment. Um, and a number of other think problem problematic areas regarding election and uh, and voting reform that the Democrats they have their reasons for wanting it through and so this is an incredibly important bill they're going to see move in the House in the coming weeks probably next week and uh, and then you know we'll see what happens in the House but it may go to the Senate and. And we could see a Biden trying to sign it into law. So we'll really have to keep our eyes. This, this is very similar to what happened in California when when the California legislature went to the Democrats and they gained a supermajority. They then changed the election laws. That's where they 
created the only state to do it, legal ballot harvesting, uh, which then we saw the, the effect of that in 2018 when they flipped a number of Republican House seats. Remember, those went on weeks after the election because they were counting ballots that had been brought in. And that was done, quote unquote, legally because they changed the law. That's the kind of stuff we're looking at here. Yeah, Tony, I mean, this imagine, you know, this is a, a grab federal power grab in the area of elections, trying to really federalize the entire system, take it out of the hands of the states. And as we've seen with a lot of the re- recent discussion on election integrity, we need states to occupy their rightful role and really take action. But here you have Congress purporting to take the power to establish independent redistricting commissions, um, you know, setting forth their their desired uh, uh, protocols on election security, intelligence sharing, campaign spending, campaign funding. So, you know, it's just a real, it's a grab bag. And this is only one of the problematic areas we talked about, uh, you know, the abortion-related issues, religious freedom issues. There are other groups that are looking to, to now use the Democrat-controlled House, the Biden presidency, to push their, their agendas through. We really are going to need to keep an eye on a lot of this. Yeah, without question. Travis Weber, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Great to talk with you. Thanks, Tony. And we'll continue to look at those things. Folks, we, we, I know we had problems with elections at the state level, but the way we fix them, we go back to these state legislatures. I, I, I was a part of that 25 years ago in my home state after we had election fraud. We cleaned it up, and we've had, uh, for the most part, fraud-free elections in Louisiana. All right, out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, text the word STAND to 67742. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.